Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. We have been studying, Tim, the 119th Psalm, and we've been taking each stanza, oh, for the last uh, 16 weeks, I guess, or this is the 16th week um, of the 22 stanzas, and it has been a lot of fun Mm -hmm. for me to be able to do this, and I hope you folks have enjoyed the explanation of each of the stanzas, which consists of eight verses apiece, and Tim, as I as I read it through, and this is week sixteen, it's almost like the psalmist now is reaching this point of a little bit of frustration. Mm. At least that's how I see it. Yeah. You know, he he has, I mean, he has proclaimed almost through every verse, your law, your statutes, your testimonies. That's what I delight in. That's what I love. That's what I will live. That's who I am. And now he's getting to the point where he's he's starting to sense i think some of the the pressure and some of the stuff that is just not going to go away mm. and and in verse 126 he says it is time for the lord to work mm. and the question that we posed in everybody at the beginning is this have you ever gotten to that point mm-hmm. where Things just weren't going your way. Things just were not turning out the way you thought it was turning out. And you thought, God, it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, do something. You know, it's time for you to work. And it's almost like the Lord just says, no, wait a while. No, wait a while. Mm-hmm. And that can be frustrating. That can be yeah. disheartening even at times. Yeah, because it, for, to us it seems like forever. Yep. You know, um, but to God, and, and again, it's getting our brain inside his the best that we can to understand that pardon the phrase he has all the time in the world you know to to come through but i i think of when we're growing up you know when when we're young uh when when we're five man it seems like people that are 12 are like ancient you know would i ever be 12 you know that that just seems so far off and um but then you know you hit 12 and that's like all of a sudden you know well i can't wait to be 18 you know and but by the time you get to be 20 it's like i can't wait till i'm 30 and, and and when you're 30 it's like you begin to look and it's like all of a sudden that five years that seemed like forever when you were five now it's like you blink your eyes and it's gone, it's gone yeah. and and the older we get um it seems like time gets quicker. Now we know it doesn't, but it feels that way. And and I think that putting ourselves in that mindset, when we compare ourselves, we are babes, really. In comparison, if you could age God, which you can't because he lives right. outside time, he always was, always will be. But you compare us, our, our age span, to him, and it seems like an eternity for us if when he hasn't come through in a year or two years or five years. But to him, what's five years? Yep. What's ten years? What's a hundred years even to him? Right? And and so it's understanding that just in our development, I think sometimes we are we just look at years differently than he does. I think there's oftentimes what we as human beings do is we, we compare ourselves to other human beings because mm-hmm. we want to compare ourselves to those who are just like us. Yeah where God is saying, wait a minute, why don't you compare yourself to me? Mm-hmm. And look at my standards. Look at who I am. Yeah. And then how do you match up? Mm-hmm. Because here the psalmist, and we're going to open in prayer in just a minute, but here in psalmist, it's almost like in verse 121 and so forth, he goes and says, I've done everything right. Mm-hmm. Yet you haven't acted yet. Mm-hmm. How come? It's time yeah. for you to act. Yeah, and it's not that he's finding fault with God. No, but it, but like you said, there's this frustration because I mean, he does go on and and does make sense that look, I'm I'm going to lean on you and your understanding here, but I'm yeah. just not getting it. Uh, yeah, it's like give me patience. I want it now. Yep. <laughs> right? yep. Type attitude, yep. and um, 
but yeah, he is definitely frustrated. He's def you definitely see him be having this level of despair, yeah. almost because of the the oppression and the turmoil that he's under. And you know, like any of us, you know, it's it's like Chinese water torture. You know, the first drop or two, no big deal, but you get to drop one thousand, two thousand, three thousand. It really gets old real quick, yep. and every drop feels that much more intense. And and you almost get this aspect from him that you know from back in verse one of where he was at, but where he is now at this point as he reminisces a little bit about what he is up against. And it's like, oh, God, I don't know how much yep. more of this I can take. Yeah, I would have thought that this would have been over by now. Right. But you know, it's like us in New England winter. Mm -hmm. I would have thought winter would have been over by now, but, you know, here it is, the, almost the last day of March, and it's still cold, mm -hmm. you know. When's it going to get over? But that's, that's just us and our humanity, and we're, we're going to see the psalmist here in his humanity just a little bit. Uh, be frustrated, be a little anxious, mm -hmm. and, but how he overcomes that. I, to me, that is the exciting part about it. It is, because it shows us the fact that God is so willing throughout all of Scripture— um, through all, just about every person that's walking with him that you read about. He doesn't just reveal the good. He reveals the real struggles. He reveals the weaknesses. He reveals even the sins of some people that are walking close to him, just as the psalmist is walking close. And what relief there is almost in knowing, hey, I'm not alone in this. You know, even those that God saw worthy of being able to pen Scripture got to this point. Yep. So if his grace could reach them there, I think he can reach me too. You know, just before we open in prayer, I want to just make this before I forget it, just a point that I think is very necessary for us, is verse 126, where it says, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. That does not anger God. No. God is not looking down upon this psalmist and saying, well, I, I dare you to question my timing. No, God knows it's going to. God knows who we are. God knows, you know. Um, no, that, that isn't going to frustrate God. It's just he knows our frailties. He knows our misgivings. And, you know, he's gracious. Mm -hmm. And he's loving kindness. And this does not make God turn his back on a psalmist and say, oh, you don't trust me? Well, mm -hmm. off with you. No, no. You know, that doesn't do that. Like when we sin. Yeah. Does my sin take God by surprise? No. He's known it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of that comes down, like I said, that we'll get into prayer. But um, <laughs> this aspect of, as we read in the New Testament, that the Word of God is powerful to the dividing of soul and spirit. Yeah. You know, and, and what's that dealing with? The soul, there's our, there, there's our emotions, there's our will, right? Yep. And that sort of thing. But so there's that aspect of it, and there's the spirit part. And, and it's understanding that what we're going to be reading is we read about some of these frustrations. We're reading almost about the soul of the psalmist, but you also read about the spirit of the psalmist in the same yep. verse, in the same stanzas, that even though there's that point of questioning in his emotions, in his mind, there's still this aspect of his spirit being in tune with God of, God, I still want your way. I still lean on your word. You know, one of the things, and once again, but to, to go through all of these verses that we have, you know, 121 through now 128 this week, I, I see a growth pattern mm -hmm. in the psalmist. Yeah. And you can see him now branching out a little further and growing up some more, mm -hmm. even though he's getting frustrated. But in his frustration, I still love your commandments. Yeah. I still love your commandments. And, and we have to come there. Yeah. We have to get there in our own thing. I'm going to open in prayer, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Tim to read verses 121 through 128 of Psalm 119. Father, thank you so much that, Lord God, we can see the reality, the vitality, and even sometimes, Father, the, the necessity of, of growth in you. And, Father, as we are watching the psalmist grow, and even in that growth, it becomes a little bit of frustration, a little bit of anger maybe even. But, Father, to know that the outcome is, I still love your law. Mm -hmm. So, Father God, help us. Be with each one who tunes in, each one who listens, that, Father, we'll be able to apply this to our own hearts and lives. Thank you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen.
Amen. So starting at verse 121, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right, I hate every false way. So what a, what a tremendous statement now that the psalmist is making. And Tim, I, I can see all of us in the beginning of this, this mm -hmm. section, this stanza, because, you know, I think there are times that all of us sit back in our chairs and, or whatever, and we just say, Lord, I've done everything right. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it working out for me? Mm -hmm. You know, how come I still have to go through this? I've done it right. Uh -huh. and, and that's what he's saying. I have done justice. I've done judgment. Leave me not to my oppressors. Look, mm -hmm. it seems like they're getting a, a bigger foothold on me, even though I'm doing everything right. Mm -hmm. How come? Yep. You know, and, and, uh, and we've asked that, haven't we? Yeah, we have. In fact, there's almost a sense of God where are you? Yeah. Because to say, do not leave me to my oppressors, it, it implies this feeling of abandonment. Not only am I doing everything right, and God, you, you just don't seem to be operating my time, and I don't even sense your closeness. It feels like I've been left to my own devices. Yeah. And I, I don't get this, because I'm trying to press in, but it seems like the closer I'm trying to press in, the further away you feel. Dr. Billy Graham used to have a... a an article that he put in newspapers all the time. And the title of the article, uh, you know, was Why Do the Heathen Rage? Mm. And basically what it's, you know, saying to us is why is, it, why is it that it seems like the ungodly seem to prosper, seems to have things going easier for them than, let's say, us believers? Well, all you got to do is just think about it logically, Yeah. right? Why does the enemy have to mess with you if he's already got you? Yeah. You know, for him to actually let us prosper, because not all prosperity comes from God, you know? And so if I am not walking with God, and I am the enemy, and I don't want you walking with God, and, and so right now you're not, what am I going to do? I'm going to do what I can to reward you for not walking with him. And I'm not saying everybody that's rewarded or walking in wealth and prosperity is of the devil. That's not what I'm saying. Right, right. But there is this aspect that he doesn't want to become an obstacle. He wants to actually encourage you not to walk with God. So he doesn't have to, he'll reward you, and sometimes he just won't mess with you. He'll, he'll just let you succeed. But the minute you start trying to follow God, he doesn't want you doing that. So what's he going to try to do? He's going to do everything he can to try to frustrate you in the process. Mm -hmm. He's going to try to put every obstacle in your way to make you turn away from. And yes, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But in that, and in him doing that, actually helps... God allows it because it actually helps to grow our faith. Yep. Because of our sinful nature, we will tend to gravitate towards our own desires. So he needs to almost let the enemy do that because it draws us closer to him. I think so many of us don't want to go through the process, mm -hmm. yet we all have to go through the process, mm -hmm. you know, of what God has in tune for us. Yep. Even though, even in those days, in those times in which we think we're doing everything just right, Mm -hmm. And God says, hey, not yet, not yet. Yep. There's a scripture verse that just came to mind, Tim, in 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Then he gives the qualifier, even as your soul prospers. So where's the qualifier? The qualifier is this. As you walk in God, mm -hmm. as you walk through the scriptures, as you walk through what God has written, I wish for you that you would prosper. You know, mm -hmm. spiritually that you would prosper, physically you would prosper, uh, in your health you would prosper, but it all is going to depend, where are you mm -hmm. in relationship to God? 
Yeah. Well, we read about that also in that wonderful book that we all love so much called Job. Job. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Chapter 23, verse 10 says this, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth like gold. Yep. But as how do I come forth gold, like even. gold? Yeah. I come forth only as I'm tried. In fact, he even taught, you know, we, we had that little verse there in the psalm about how much more precious he is than gold. Yep. Yea, fine gold. What's the fine gold? The gold that's been tried, the gold that's been tested. Been through the fire. Yeah. Been, you know, and burning off the impurities. And once again, you know, and this is for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, this is for Tim and me and everybody who's watching. Guess what? There's always going to be a little bit of dross on us. Mm-hmm. You know, the only time that that dross is going to be totally taken away mm-hmm. is when we get the glory to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. You know, and so therefore the psalmist is going through this, this, this phase or this period of his life where God is burning off the dross. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't extinguished the fire yet. Right. Right. That's why the psalmist is saying, it's time. I've mm-hmm. done everything right. I've done everything as you said. So don't leave me to my oppressors. Don't, don't forsake me now. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing that Jesus said on the cross, isn't yeah. it? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said the same thing in Psalm 22. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, if Jesus felt that way, you know, in his humanity, not yeah. in his divinity, but in his humanity, if he felt that way, then it behooves us to know that, guess what? I'm going to feel that way too. And mm-hmm. how much more am I going to feel that way? That's right. And th- that is where the psalmist is. Mm-hmm. So that if you are watching and you're feeling like God has left you, God is, you know, God is not being fair, you know, and how many mm-hmm. people constantly say, life's just not fair. Well, for us as believers, sometimes life doesn't appear to be very fair. However, guess what? God is still in charge, and God still reigns, and God will be with you. And we're going to find that in the rest of this problem mm-hmm. portion. But at this point in time, I don't see any problem with interpreting verse 21 as saying, God, you're not being fair. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done everything what I think is right, yet you seem to have left me to my oppressors. Mm-hmm. You know, wait a minute. And how many times do we think that? How many times does that right. go through our mind? And, you know, Tim's made mention of this many times. You know, but in, right here behind this desk, you've got over 100 years of, of service mm-hmm. and 100 years of, of knowing Christ. Yeah, we do. And guess what? We still say this. Mm-hmm. We, we are still here with the psalmist saying, Lord, how come? Yeah. You know, and, and therefore the psalmist is going there. I like verse 122, Tim, because it goes and says, be sure to be my guarantee. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at the word surety as guarantee. You know, you be my guarantee for thy servant for good. Mm-hmm. So he goes and says, Lord, I'm your servant, and I know that all things are going to work for good. We know that in Romans mm-hmm. eight twenty eight, right? All things work together for good. Now, is that for the lost? No, it's for the saved. All things work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So right. it's for believers. Unfortunately, a lot of non-believers like to quote that verse, too, and think it's good for them. Well, it isn't. Right. You know, it's only for believers. Well, the, the psalmist in 122 says, be my guarantee. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm your servant. Yeah. And be it for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, that's the proud, that's the arrogant, that's those who think that they're better than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do people look at us as Christians and say, oh, you're only using Jesus as a crutch. You know, you need a crutch to lean on, so you're leaning on Jesus. No, I need a God who died for me and paid the price for me because I can't do it on my own. Right. And, you know, if you call him my crutch, well, he's more than a crutch to me. Mm-hmm. He's my life. Yeah. You know, and, and so the psalmist is saying, be my guarantee. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I'm not seeing things working mm-hmm. out for my good, mm-hmm. you're my guarantee. Right. And, there, and in that verse, too, you also see the condition of his heart. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but when I tend to pray verses like this one, it would come out more like, "Be a guarantee to me for good." Yep. His focus isn't on himself, even in this. He says, "Be the guarantee for what your, your servant. servant." Yep. So the focus is still Godward. The focus is still look. 
it's not that I deserve this, but I am your servant. I, I am submitted to you. I, I am going to go the ways that you want me to do. I, I work to do the things only as you command me. Mm. And remember that I am in your household. I have no value. I, I have no worth of my own. But as your servant, I am now part of your household. Mm. Would you please look after me? Yep. Even though I don't deserve it, would you please do so? You know, I had a lady in my church the other day, um, a couple of Sundays ago, she told me this story where things just, she's a widow, so she's living by herself. Things just were breaking all over the place in her house. I mean, mm -hmm. just things were just, you know, really a mess. And her daughter came over to her and looked at her and says, so where is your God now? Mm. And the widow said, and I looked at my daughter and says, you know something? God is still good. He is right here. He is still good. Even though everything is breaking, even though everything seems mm -hmm. to be, be really just being torn apart, guess what? My God is still good. That's right. And I think the psalmist in 122 is saying, you be my guarantee. Why? I'm your servant. And people see me as your servant. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, how they see you is indicative of what they see in me. Mm -hmm. And all of us ought to have that attitude. Yeah. You know, even when things are not going well, what we would consider well, even when they, they're still looking at us and saying, okay, where's your God now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you still believe in him? Do you still love him? Do you still give him tribute because of who he is? Or are you going to curse him to his face? Are you going to, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's, I don't think we're reading in anything into verse 122, mm -hmm. not 2. Yeah. And it's not like God has to know where we stand. God right. already knows where we stand. God already knows where our level of faithfulness is or is not. But others around us need to see. And also, we need to see. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Be, and, and lots of times he allows these testings not necessarily to be mean to us, and, and, I, and I've shared this with a lot of people that have come to me. It's like, man, I thought I had victory over X, Y, Z, and now it seems like here I am. I'm going through this again. And I've looked at them and I said, yeah, but let me ask you a question. The last time you dealt with this, how did you respond? Right. Well, I, X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, how about this time? Well, this time it's different. Da, 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 da. It's like, do you think maybe that might be why God let you go through it so you could see how much you've grown, how much closer you are to him, yeah. to almost... Um, almost as a way to encourage you mm -hmm. to realize that I am not the same person I once was. Yep. So is it safe to say in verse 122 and the rest of this stanza, is it safe to say we know that God will not test us with evil? Right. We know that. Mm -hmm. Scripture tells us that. So is this, in fact, or can we look at this, in fact, as saying God was putting him through the test to show him this is where I stand. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens, I still love you. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens, I am still your servant. No matter mm -hmm. what happens, you're still my God. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the psalmist had to say it, to realize it, mm -hmm. that yes, this is still where I stand. Mm -hmm. I think this time, well, take First John 1, 9. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. Now, why does John say that to me? I mean, why would I have to confess my sin? God knows my sin anyway. Right. But what is it? What's confession? Confession is this. God, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I see that as sin too. Right. And I'm dealing with that. We have to convince ourselves or show ourselves, hey, that is sin. Mm -hmm. In agreement with God. I'm almost wondering is if in verse 122, the psalmist is saying, God, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I am your servant. No matter what I said in verse 20, 121, no yep. matter what I'm going to say in verse 126, guess what? I know you're still my God. Mm -hmm. And you are my guarantee. Yep. When everything fails, you're my guarantee. Even when I fail. Even when I fail. Sure, you're my guarantee. Yep. And, I mean, I don't think any of us can sit up here and say, I never fail. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to count the times I fail just within the last hour, say nothing about the last day, right? Uh -huh. So, but, but God is faithful, and, right. and I love that. And, and the psalmist is telling us that. Even when I don't see it, even when 
I expect something different. God is faithful. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. So he goes and says, let not the proud, the, the proud oppress me, verse 122. Verse 123, this is an interesting verse, Tim, because it says, mine eyes fail for thy salvation. Mm. What does that mean? Mine eyes fail by thy sal- salvation. Well, <laughs> you know, we've all had those times, I think, and it seems like even the older we get, where sometimes, you know, you first wake up and the eyes, you know, it takes a little while to focus <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason. And, um, and what I hear in this is him saying, look, I, I'm trying to keep focus. I'm trying to keep my eyes firmly on you. But the truth is, sometimes, sometimes my eyes just don't do the right job. Yep. You know, as much as I want to, as much as I want to focus, my eyes still fail to see your salvation. Sometimes I get overwhelmed by the despair, overwhelmed by the state I'm in. Because you think about salvation, I, th- I always think of things like when you're out in the water and somebody has to throw you a lifesaver because yeah. you've gone overboard, right? Um, and so we expect that lifesaver to kind of help us in the midst of that because we know if we don't reach out, we're going to drown. Mm. Um, and so I kind of hear that here is that, look, my eyes are failing you know, to see your salvation here. I feel like I'm drowning, you know, so I need a lifesaver now, you know, because I, I feel like at best I may be treading water, but even that's not working anymore. I, I need you to get me through this. You know, I, I see it this way, and, and, you know, for 120 verses, you know, that the psalmist has now written, all he's been looking at is God's word, God's word, God's mm-hmm. word, God's word. I don't know about you, but if you stare at something long enough, sometimes you don't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's been looking at God's deliverance, God's deliverance, God's deliverance, God's deliverance. All of a sudden, I don't see your deliverance anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've experienced your deliverance many times over. We see that in the first 120 mm-hmm. verses. And all of a sudden, I have stared at it so much that, you know something, I cannot discern your deliverance of not delivering. Mm-hmm. And my eyes don't see it. Mm-hmm. Because in the first portions of verses, as you just said, my focus has been on your word, your word, your word, your word. And what we almost see happening here in this verse, or, or in this stanza, is a, a shift of focus from the word to here's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. A shift from the scripture to the circumstance. And when his eyes get on the circumstance, you begin to see the overwhelmness, right? You begin to hear the despair. You begin to hear all the other stuff. And, and I don't know about you. I know that's the way my life has been is that, you know, when, when, all I, when I begin to look at certain situations, I can very easily begin to try to fix it or, or try to f- look for a way out and I can't see it. But then when I get into that place of prayer, when I get into that time of reading the word, I get into that place of worship and when I engage in that, all of a sudden, the problem seems to get s- smaller and smaller. It hasn't gotten any smaller. It's still there in, its, in all of its glory as it was before. But because my perspective has shifted Godward and is not now focused on the circumstance, I see it the way God sees it, that it's small. It really is kind of insignificant. But the minute I come out of those things and I begin to shift my attention back there again, it begins to get bigger or look like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know, I, so I think there's a little bit of aspect here of just remembering, stay in the Word. Keep getting your, your right. focus back there, because when you do, you'll keep it in the right perspective. You know, oftentimes when, when you see the term, mine eyes, it's not talking about the physical eyes. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the eyes of your heart. Mm-hmm. And there's a song, and I can't—I don't know if it's Steve Green or who it is that sings it. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Pablo. Yeah, yeah. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. It seems to me that that's what the psalmist is really saying. Mm-hmm. Lord, my heart has become maybe hardened a little bit because I don't see you working at this point. I, I see that my enemy or the enemies around me seem to be oppressing me harder and it doesn't seem to be an end mm-hmm. of the tunnel. Lord, I need to have the eyes of my heart opened to see your deliverance again. Yeah. 
You know, I got to see that you're my way out. Mm -hmm. um, what is it? The First Corinthians thirteen ten is that what? It, no temptation overtaken you, but such as common to man. Mm -hmm. But he he will make a way of escape, mm -hmm. and he always does that. Mm -hmm. And right here we're finding in one twenty three, it's almost like the psalmist, his eyes can't see the way of escape. He knows mm -hmm. that there is a way of escape, but he can't see it right now. Right. Because the eyes of his heart are not open. And that's where faith comes in. Yeah. Is to pull you through that time. That's where you've got to stand on the word that even though it doesn't feel like you're there, e even though right now my eyes can't even focus that far off into the distance, I know you enough that I will stay true to who you are and stay true to your word. I, I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. It almost brings it into that reference of the gold again. But it said, they have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So it's like you, you're going through this, but the ultimate end, you've got to understand Jesus will be revealed. Yep. God will vindicate, right? And he, and he will make his way known in this. But he makes this reference to gold and fire, you yep. know? And fire we see as being very destructive. But, you know, we also understand that when God applies the fire, even though the fire could even destroy gold, God applies it for refining, mm -hmm. which means he'll only let you be in that fire as long as is necessary to bring out, as you said, the dross, the yep. right? Yep. And, and we don't like going through the fire. I don't like getting burned. You yep. know, I don't know about anybody else. I don't like that. But, you know, when it comes to purifying gold, there's no other way. The only other possibility would be somehow or another to dig and take chisels and try to chisel out all that dross. Something tells me that'd be a whole lot more painful. Yeah. Right? And you're never going to get it all. What, what he does is when, when you put that gold in the fire, it does something wonderful. All the dross comes to the top yep. so that then all that has to happen is the goldsmith just has to skim it off the top yep. and then remove it. And then he lets you cool. Yep. You know, and then you're pure. The process is a whole lot quicker and a whole lot more successful than trying to do it the other way. And it's understanding that that's the way that God operates. He operates very creatively and very um, skillfully in our lives to apply just enough fire to bring wholeness and not so much that it brings destruction. And we have to trust him with that. You know, in 123, I, I love this because he goes and says, my, my eyes fail to see your deliverance. I don't see your deliverance right now. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what he's talking. He's talking right now. Right in the present, I don't see your deliverance. But then immediately, mm -hmm. the end of verse 123, he says, and for the word of thy righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, I'm having a hard time seeing that. I know it's real. Mm -hmm. And I know it's there. But I just can't comprehend it right now. I just can't see it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and he's saying the word of thy righteousness. It's, it's your righteousness, Lord, mm -hmm. that I'm going through all of this. It's your righteousness that is going to draw me out of this. I just don't see it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and, and, and how many times do we get sidetracked because we can't see it? Mm -hmm. Faith, what? Do I have to see my faith? Do I have to mm -hmm. see it to believe it? Or what does Scripture say? Faith is accepting that which we cannot which see. Which we cannot see. Mm -hmm. And right now, the psalmist is saying, I can't see it. But you know something? I know it's going to come. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 124. Deal with thy servant according to your mercy. I love that. Mm -hmm. Lord, and, and I see 124. And how many of us would be willing to say that to God this morning? Is say, Lord... You know something? I don't care what happens. Mm -hmm. I just want you to deal with me with your mercy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you choose to deliver me right now, praise be to God. If you choose not to deliver me right now, praise be mm -hmm. to God. Yeah, I find it interesting, and I I almost wish that there wasn't. We didn't put that verse number of one twenty four. That I wish it was one twenty three B. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because. In that 123, the, the end of that, it said, it's like, okay, my eyes are failing 
from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. So now he's comparing his righteous word to what he say in the first part of this. I have done justice and righteousness. Yeah. But now he's elevating God's righteousness above his own. Yeah. But then he, he makes that proclamation. So my eyes have failed to seek your salvation and your righteous word. So deal with me according to your mercy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know I'm failing in this. Um, don't judge me on this. Just I, I need mercy here. Yeah. And in the midst of your mercy, teach me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, don't, and, don't just have mercy on me. Bring me to that place of understanding. Yeah. Where right now my eyes can't see. Help me to see with your eyes. You know, one of the neat things, and, and I see this in, this in the scriptures, especially Paul's teaching, is that, you know, when you and I really come to grips with God's grace, mm-hmm. what does God say? God says to us, because you have received grace, now what do I want you to do? I want you to give, give grace. grace. So many people have received grace, but they don't give it. Right. Here we're finding that the psalmist is saying, look, I know that my complaining probably is not good to your ears right now. Mm-hmm. But Lord, teach, show me mercy and teach me, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's starting I, to see. I just need to get this out. I just need to yeah. vent for a little I bit. I need to vent. <laughs> and you know something? I have been a Christian long enough and a pastor long enough to know there are times all of us need to vent. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you were sharing experiences with me earlier, and I shared experiences yep. with you earlier, where something just hit us wrong, and we just blew up. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't pre-planned. It wasn't. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And then you look back and say, oh, man, I blew it. Mm-hmm. Lord, be merciful to me, please, a yep. sinner, right? Yep. And, well, and this is that picture of that difference between the soul and the spirit, yeah. right? That emotions versus what our, what our spirit really desires. Yeah, so I, I just love this so much because it shows the, the frailty mm-hmm. and it shows the humanity of the psalmist. And that's what I love about the Word of God. Mm-hmm. God does not hide the frailties of his servants. Right. God does not hide the sinfulness of his servants. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if anything, God brings it out to light and say, here, look at what the psalmist just said. Mm-hmm. And I know you've said it too, right? Yeah. So where do you go from here? Well, mm-hmm. I go from here, Lord, show me your mercy. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, teach me as I see your mercy. Teach me mm-hmm. your mercy. I love that. Yeah. 125. Then he makes a proclamation. Mm -hmm. In all of this, he makes the proclamation. Now, remember, he had to vent. He had to get out his frustration, even maybe his anger. Then he makes a proclamation in verse 125. I am thy servant. Mm -hmm. Oh, I may not look like a servant right now. Mm -hmm. I know I had an elderly lady in my church many, many years ago. And whenever I would say to the saints of God, she would always come out of the church that morning and say to me, well, I don't feel very saintly, though I am a saint. Well, that's what he's saying in verse right. 125. I, am, I may not be very saintly right now. I may not be approaching you very saintly, but I am your servant. Mm-hmm. You know, I am. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, just like Paul. Paul says it. Those things that I don't want to do, I do. Mm-hmm. And those things I do, I don't want to do, but I still do them. Right. You know, but does that take away my apostleship? Does that take away my Christianity? Does that take away my relationship with you? No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I am still your servant. That's right. You know, and that's what the, that's what the psalmist is saying. I am your servant. Mm-hmm. Give me understanding. Without your understanding, without you giving me the understanding, I can't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how many of us as human beings... Read the Word of God sometimes. If we try to read it in the flesh, we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. But we try to read it in the Spirit. That's when we can learn to understand it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what he's saying in verse 125. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know. I may experience. That's what the word know means. Not just head knowledge. That I may experience your testimonies. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I think that too many times the way that we read or, or we tend to live out this verse is we tend to read it or try to live it out more like, I am your servant, give me understanding that I may have a testimony. Yeah. You know, that I somehow can give you glory, but that's not what it's saying. 
what it's saying is, give me the understanding that I may know your testimonies. I want to know what it is you're trying to speak in my life, over my life, and through my life. Right. Because you're trying to make, you're trying to get a message across to me. You're trying to get a message across to my family. You're trying to get a message across to my maybe my workplace. But mostly, God, I know somehow through all this, you're really trying to get a testimony across to my oppressors yep. about who you are. So, God, help me in this because my flesh is wanting to respond a totally different way. Mm-hmm. I need to respond your way if you're gonna if you're gonna be able to make your message clear and I don't end up tainting it. So when I gave the question about time for you to workload, time for you to act, 126, we have finally gotten to that phrase that we had started with. Let me ask you this, Tim. It's time for the Lord to work. It's time for the Lord to act. Is he only making reference to his oppressors, or is he also making reference to himself? I need yep. you to work not only in my oppressor's life, mm-hmm. but, Lord, I need you to work in my life because mm-hmm. I'm feeling this frustration. I don't like this feeling of this frustration. Mm. I need you, as you show me your mercy, teach me your mercy. Yep. As I don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it and how long it's taking for you mm-hmm. to do it, but, Lord, do a work in me mm-hmm. that you'd open my eyes to see you mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think the big thing for us to realize is that in the midst of this, when he says it is time for you to act, O Lord, it's not it's time for you to act, O Lord, so that I can be comfortable. It's time for you to act so that I can be just free of oppression. The focus for they have regarded your law yeah. is void. God, I need you to act not for my sake or on my behalf but because of what they are doing to you. So it's really a self, even though, yes, there's the frustration because he's being attacked. His greater frustration is that God is being attacked. Yep. You know, and and it really, he has, he has spent so much, and because his desires, we've read about all these other stanzas about how his desire is not only for the word of God, but his desire is for God himself. And, and that level of relationship that he has, that the fact that God's name is getting attacked, that his law is getting attacked, is really troubling him, I think, even more than the oppression he's receiving yep. for himself, though that also is a piece of it. But the greater pain is, is what the Word of God is taking. I'm also wondering if at the end of verse 126, where he goes and says, for they have made void thy law, is he concerned... Lord, if I listen to these people much longer, my heart may be turned, and I don't want that. Right. You know, I may all of a sudden follow the crowd that has said, Lord, you're of none effect. Mm -hmm. You're not real. You're not a part of my life. That scares me. Mm. And it ought to scare all of us as believers when we start going the way of the world Mm -hmm. and not staying in the way of Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're finding today in our churches and in Christendom altogether that we are, we are adopting more of the world's philosophy and more of what the world mm-hmm. says and not adopting what God says. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if the psalmist in verse 126 is saying, Lord, it's time for you to work. It's time for you to work in my presence, but it's time for you to work in me because I don't want to follow after them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to follow their philosophy. Yeah. You know, I know who I am. I'm your servant. I, I, I trust your word. I, I see your testimonies. But, Lord, they have, they have a power over me. How many of us have been in circles where even though we are believers, we are afraid to stand up because there just seems to be, even though greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, I'm not practicing that right now mm-hmm. because I'm allowing the oppressors to gain the foothold mm-hmm. in my life. Yep. And, and it seems to me the psalmist is saying, look, they're saying that you have none effect, and Lord, I know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Yep. But being human, can I slide into that? Mm-hmm. Sure I can. Yeah. Well, to use a phrase that you used over lunch, for a minute, you know, I might say something here that is politically incorrect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I would even dare say that we have allowed that attitude 
to so permeate the church? We need to understand one very important thing in the terms of political correctness, that to be politically correct many times is to be biblically incorrect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what we have done is we have adopted some political correctness that is very biblically incorrect, and it is this. You've got to watch everything you say because it might offend this person. And we have become so overly concerned with offending this person or that person, and we don't give credence to the fact that we may be offending God, or that they even in what they are saying or doing is an offense to God, and therefore is an offense to us. Now, I'm not saying we need to make war with one another, because we know our war is not against flesh and blood, it's against principalities and the powers of this dark world. But the truth is, we get so concerned, we've bought this lie of I've got to watch everything I say so that I don't offend you. Let us be more concerned about offending God yeah. by our silence. Or be concerned that when somebody says something, you know, when they take the name of God in vain, you know, when, when they do oppress God, do we come to his defense? Right. You know? And now, I'm not making a political statement here, but I'm th- the, the picture that kind of comes to my mind and I, so I kind of use this as a brief illustration, is what just happened at the Oscars with, um, between Chris Rock and Will Smith, right? And I'm not justifying what Willie did, yeah. <laughs> right? But there's a principle here I think we need to get, and that is when a comment, even though it was just done in comedy, was done about his wife, he was so... Em- emboldened within, that he stepped forward Mm -hmm. and acted. Now, I'm not saying the action was right Right, or wrong, but the thing is, why did he do that? Because he was so passionate about someone that was being attacked. Do we get that passionate about Jesus? Mm And not that we need to go up and slap somebody, I'm not saying that, but we need to, we need to be at the point that when somebody offends or, or speaks something against God, that we are willing to take a stand. Right, right. And you and I talked about that at lunch, too. You know, one of the things that, that many, many, many years ago, I was at a conference or, or something, and, and I remember a pastor or, or a conference speaker saying this. Now, I know that we as Christians are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. I personally, this is just my own personal, and this is not a... I also believe that we're going to witness the Great White Throne Judgment. Mm. At the Great White Throne Judgment, that is a judgment for non-believers. My fear, my driving passion, is I don't want anybody who passes through the Great White Throne Judgment look at me and say, why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you dare to offend me to the point of knowing about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be better to offend them today and win them for tomorrow than to not offend them and lose them for eternity? Mm-hmm. That, is, that is a driving force in my yeah. heart. You know, we may say something here on Hotline Ministry that may offend you, but it is an offense that hopefully would lead you to the right decision for eternity. Mm-hmm. And that is the key. We just got the signals, so we got to hurry up. 127, therefore, and I love the therefores, right? Mm -hmm. Therefore, I love thy commandments. I love them. I embrace them, Mm -hmm. right? I embrace your commandments, and I embrace them above gold, yea, above fine gold. There's nothing sweeter than having the commands of God and to follow the commands of God, because when you do that, then you will have the command of God when he mm-hmm. sees you at the, at the judgment seat of Christ and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right. That is better than fine and pure fine gold. Mm-hmm. What's the greatest thing Jesus can say to you? Well done, yep. thou good and faithful servant. doesn't get any sweeter than that. And then in 128, therefore I esteem all thy precepts, I lift high all thy precepts, concerning all things, mm-hmm. going right back to, Lord, why didn't you work? How come I oppress this? All things to be right. And I hate every false way. This goes right back to verse 113. I hate vain thoughts. Mm-hmm. So is it wrong for us as Christians to hate? Not if we hate the right thing. 
Right. And that is, let's hate the sin. Let's hate the wrong. Let's hate the stuff that is, that is tearing people apart. But let's keep loving God in his righteousness and his holiness. Yeah. I think it was Wayne Watson many years ago wrote a song. I can't tell you the title of the song right now, but I remember the one line that always stood out to me in it was, God, teach me to love the things that you love and hate that which you despise. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's understanding that God hates things. He doesn't hate people. Right. Exactly. And that is the key to the whole thing. And, and, and we need to remember that. I hate the sin, but I don't hate the sinner. Mm-hmm. Jesus hated the sin, but he loved the sinner. Right. And you and I are testimonies that he loved the sinner because he's called us out. Yep. Right. I'm Pastor Harold Noyes, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We're located on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We have an evening service at 6 p.m. every Sunday night. We have Bible study during the week. We have prayer meeting Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join with us um, and, and come and either spend time with prayer with us or come and worship with us on Sunday. And just let's just fellowship together, drawing nearer and nearer and closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're in the Charlestown area, we would love to have you come join us down at Life on Main. Sunday mornings, we have a coffee fellowship time at 10 o'clock, and then we have our service at 11. Uh, We meet at the Senior Center in Charlestown, which is at 223 Old Springfield Road, and we would love to have you come on out and join us for that. We also have small groups that meet, um, some in homes, some in uh, places of business like... um, Charlestown House of Pizza and places of that nature. <laughs> and so, you know, we, if you want to get involved in one of those, we would love to hook you up with that as well. Just call our office and we'll be happy to do that. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. We want to thank, of course, most of all, Fact, Fact TV for making this show even possible and for all their dedication uh, to us and putting up with us here at the studio. And uh, let people know if you're getting any value from these broadcasts. We can be seen on many of the public access channels from Brattleboro, Vermont, all the way up to Springfield and in the Northeast Kingdom, as well as on the um, western side of New Hampshire on the Connecticut River. Tune into us there. You can also find us at factthenumber8.com on their website or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash heartline ministries or on YouTube at bit.ly slash heartline ministries. Not on video, you can also get us on your favorite podcast providers, uh, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and whatever other ones you pretty much tune into. And I want to thank uh, new people. Um, we apparently have um, some new folks have started watching us. And and I think you mentioned, I think in one of our things, maybe, maybe this is an old one I read, Maine and Massachusetts and some of the other places that we've seen, seen yep. some new folks mm-hmm. hook up to us. So I really want to thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy, and I hope it touches your heart to draw nearer and nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Have a good day. <laughs>